Hello and welcome to the Talent Blueprint, your guide to building a company where talent comes first. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery, the talent lifecycle management platform that helps organizations hire candidates faster, develop the skills of their workforce, and increase employee retention. Hello and welcome to this week's installment of the Talent Blueprint. I'm your host, Sultan Seidoff, and I am super excited today to welcome Ash Walverd. Ash is the Director of Performance Assessment and Careers at Verizon, and I've had the pleasure of working with Verizon and Ash's team for some time, and I'm super excited to, to have Ash here today. Ash, welcome. Glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your role and the kind of work that you've been doing both at Verizon and in your career so far. It's really great to be with you, Sultan. I come from a background in industrial organizational psychology. For folks who are yet to learn about that space, you're thinking about scientifically based solutions to human resources. It could be for work or other organizational settings. Very passionate about the IO psychology space. My role at Verizon is in the talent management arena. So talent transformation, performance, assessments for selection and development. I lead our careers and job architecture. And we also know the power of leadership. So our leadership principles and then our tech stack for talent solutions um, are, are in my purview. Other roles that I've worked in before include sort of HR transformation in general, digital HR, talent intelligence, DEI, recruiting. I mean, I love the talent space and I love what's possible at organizations. And so it's been really great to work with kind of a think tank of experts and niche professionals. We like to think of ourselves as kind of the Swiss army knife for the company's talent needs. It's really exciting to see that level of surgical empowerment, so to speak, in actually being able to drive talent change, especially in the environment we're in now. You hear a lot of people talking about some of the pieces you mentioned, like job architecture or employee engagement programs need to change, but it's very difficult to either know what that means or be able to change it unless you do have this sort of special squad of people that can make an impact. I'd love to zoom in a little bit on two things that you mentioned. One is the background that you have in IO psychology, it, it's something we see a lot of organizations starting to think more deeply about, and actually a lot of talent technology vendors are starting to think more deeply about how to bring that expertise. How do you think about that background influencing your role today and the team that you have? And how do you see the role of some of these Swiss Army knife functions that you mentioned becoming specialized in today's landscape? Yeah, I think there's a couple of factors that make it a really wonderful match for helping an organization move mountains. On one side, you have sort of a research orientation, which can sound brainy and academic, but what it really boils down to is drivers, causation, impact, ROI, understanding what really are the levers that can make a difference for an employee, a manager, a company. So that's a huge match with the sort of science behind IO psychology. And then the other angle is understanding complexity and how that can boost and empower strategy and understanding that we're all in a dynamic ecosystem and there are multiple factors operating at one time. And so you can jump down to the, the ocean floor and pop back up to the horizon. And that's exactly what business strategy needs. I love that. And in thinking about how you 
apply that in your team. It sounds like this jumping deep and zooming back out is really core to this think tank work principle of the team that you have today as well. Uh, what, what does that entail across the different streams of talent management at Verizon? What are the, the key roles and responsibilities and, and what is the role of the think tank work in cutting across those? So from an organizational structure standpoint, we look like lots of other talent teams in corporate America. We are passionate about running really fantastic programs, supporting philosophies that are impactful to the organization. And in each area of talent, despite having ownership and bringing wonderful solutions to the table, we are passionate about the connective tissue between functions so that throughout the employee life cycle, you are threading through information or benefits or an understanding of what employees need and what can make a difference for them and for the company. And so that has been really helpful for understanding how to solve some of the more complex organizational challenges of recent years post-pandemic, understanding you know, new behaviors from employees, et cetera. So that's an example of kind of the Swiss Army knife, you know, folding and opening and going after all kinds of challenges. And to come back to one of the concepts you've mentioned that I know a lot of our listeners will be hearing more about, and certainly I find myself discussing with HR and talent leaders on a regular basis, this concept of job architecture and why it's becoming so so relevant to businesses today. Talk me through how you think about what it means today and what improving or tackling or owning job architecture within an organization like Verizon entails and how that might be changing in the current landscape. Absolutely. I see job architecture as an enabler, a systemic foundation. I will admit that my bias is that our goal is not to have the most perfect job architecture to brag about, but rather to have the job architecture that unlocks possibilities and opens the door for all sorts of downstream opportunities and benefits. Our recent journey in the job architecture space was to take an enterprise-wide approach, build it methodically, but also at scale leverage in a really agile way. We had a plan. We wanted it to be market-based and market-driven. We don't want to have the over-customization of jobs or over-focus on roles. But understanding you know, what our tech stack is going to look like, understanding what our HR North Star is going to look like, what kinds of benefits are we looking to deliver to employees or leaders or macro intelligence over the next several years, and use those strategic considerations as the driver for many of our decisions. And so that led us to developing sort of the most minimally viable yet most powerful solution for job architecture. You know, and again, just for folks who might not be familiar, we're talking job families, we're talking about job titles, we're talking about a look at our bands or levels, and really cleaning up and trying to drive simplicity for employees and then having the infrastructure support where we're planning to go as a company. I firstly love the way you've broken out the definition, but also the thing you started with, which is you're not trying to seek perfection. In fact, I don't think that there is such a thing as a perfect job architecture. And certainly, I think any organizations that have tried to build these foundations for what do jobs mean, what are, what are the families, what is the relevant compensation, are finding themselves having to do this more frequently than ever. And so, you know, not long ago, this might be an exercise that many companies would have done once every five to 10 years. I think almost every company is doing it this year because there are so many things that are accelerating the reasons to reevaluate some of the definitions. And like you said, the tech stack component is one of the drivers. A lot of people are asking, you know, what is going to happen with AI when it comes to our jobs? What are companies going to do? 
Well, a lot of the answers to those questions start with companies looking at their job architecture. Because firstly, you know, what is AI going to mean for different teams at Verizon? How is it going to potentially change the requirements of certain roles and functions? In what cases do we need to start thinking about that earlier? And so naturally, that connective tissue you mentioned cascades into the things that people are perhaps more familiar with day to day, like, you know, employee experiences, career paths, or job roles you're hiring for. But the foundations of this are, are super important as an enabler. And I really, really like the way that you've broken out the sort of key steps to get there. Is this something that when you think about the connective tissue between you and the talent role and building these foundations and the broader business, because those questions around what is our tech stack, how do we do it, where is it shifting, obviously require alignment with other stakeholders within Verizon, within the organization beyond talent. What's worked well versus perhaps less well in the journey to try and create that alignment between the HR function and the broader business for you? It's a really fantastic question. We are really proud to have incredible alignment on talent priorities and support that stems all the way from our CEO, our board of directors, our executive leadership. HR has really been able to align this idea of when investment is needed, where is it going to go, and how is it going to uphold the strategic capabilities of our business strategy. So I'd say first and foremost, it is Lots of companies have opportunity in that space. So starting with the strategic support of the business's top priorities and understanding how that translates to workforce investments, that's the number one piece. And a lot of it really operates smoothly from there. I would say that over the last 10 years, we've certainly seen a change when it comes to considering technology and tech stack and, and systemic solutions. I chuckle if I think about our initial understanding, I think as an industry of sort of AI and what the possibility was, or even just data-driven uh, threading data through systems or the quality of our systems. Whereas now, I, I think the population base rate of understanding what's possible with talent technology solutions has really risen, and I see the conversations elevating. So that has actually been a boon to our relationships internally across our IT partners, our HRIS partners. Folks are speaking the same language. Folks are equally focused on employee experience as well as, you know, kind of moving away from fragmented infrastructures or things where, you know, it's disjointed or data is not connected. So that's a lot of progress uh, that really helps us. We spend less time convincing and more time solving. And I, I really call that a win. I know from previous conversations, Ash, that you're passionate about this connective tissue, not just within the connection to the business, but in creating connectivity across different areas of talent. And it, it sounds like an extension of that mindset. How do we, within the talent function, also get to focus on the solving and the, the cross-solving? And you started touching on some of those themes uh, when, you, when you mentioned threading skills through the employee lifecycle. When you think forwards into what's next in the creation of connective tissue between different areas of talent as you look at redefining performance management strategy or other areas what's front of mind for you today listen it all starts with what companies know as their greatest asset if you think about any business strategy the capabilities to deliver it like what is the answer to delivering it it is people so all of the things you're mentioning, like how we're investing in them is, I really think is more important than it has ever been. And we see that perspective from our senior leaders as well. It's, it's a really great partnership. You know, we're focused on, well, many areas, but two that are kind of in the space you're asking about include the careers and employee development total strategy. You know, we are on a multi-year, multi-phase journey 
that ties the job architecture and the skills and kind of an evergreen model. That's another thing I think is important. There's no static information anymore. Everything is constantly living, moving, and breathing. And so we're weaving that into our careers and development strategy. We're right on the cusp of introducing the career insights for our employees at scale. We're launching technologies to enable job matching. We're working on change management with hiring managers to really understand how to cross-pollinate talent across the organization. It's a really exciting time that all supports the empowerment of the employee and their career. And, and staying on that topic, I think it's also important as talent leaders to remember that there's a macro side to this as well. The talent intelligence, the understanding of your supply, the identification of hidden talent pools, or even the ability to really promote the spread of diverse talent and thinking through understanding just your own jobs, understanding your own workforce. Where are those adjacent skill sets? Where are the latticed possible career moves that perhaps didn't always exist or aren't something that people learn in school, you know, when they think about their own career progression. That's what we're really seeing from this generation of workers is they expect it. They also are very open to what the possibilities might be. Another way of kind of supporting the employees is through performance and ways to uphold and promote and help unlock their talent. So we're really focused on employee experience and differentiation and really the leadership side of performance management, recognizing and rewarding how people work in addition to the meeting of KPIs or deliverables. And there's a soft side to all of this, Sultan, too. And it's really important. You cannot solve these complex human worker opportunities if you're not also tackling the gray areas, the squishy areas, whether it's trust, transparency, feedback, bias, you know, the human brain. And so giving people the chance to go after awareness, to be motivated and inspired, and also then giving them the skills, equipping them to be able to kind of tackle all of these opportunities is something that we're really committed to uh, rather than only just rolling out a process or a tool and, and then saying, well, dust it off, we're done. So many interesting insights to unpack there. I'm really intrigued by the connection of the two themes you've mentioned. The, if I were to distill it, the employee development theme and the how that connects to reinvigorating and rethinking performance and the connection to how the business runs. There is a squishy area or a soft area in between those two, which is how does that shift the more traditional approaches to annual or biannual performance management or the more traditional approaches to how people think about as employees understanding where their own trajectory could go. And changes to this are obviously deeper than just changes within tools, processes, changes to the role of managers. It's changes to how people think about the ability to collaborate with other team members. When it comes to the challenges you have faced or can foresee facing in you know, bringing together the different initiatives and parts of talent function to actually achieve what is fundamentally quite a big change that you're describing, what do you see as the, the biggest barriers? And are any of those those soft, squishy components of uh, you know, human adaptability to change that you're touching on? The number one that stands out to me is the enterprise-wide nature of all of these opportunities. Technology really makes it possible to boil the ocean. I think we would have said, you know, as a caution in the past, we used to only have the options to pilot with small groups or solve for departments or individual business units. And 
that is still a great approach. That's your only choice. Do it rather than feel like it's not good enough. But what I'm really seeing is that the technology enablement, the ability to leverage data to grow at scale is really allowing us to unlock at the total company level many of these processes. So that's one that I'm seeing shifting. One of the other challenges is that interconnectedness means, you know, working across functions and not all functions in talent or across a company are at the same level of organizational maturity usually. So you might have really fantastic learning solutions and personalized learning journeys, but perhaps another area is still in the earlier stages of moving to more sophisticated processes, et cetera. The solution that we're finding to this is a cross-functional design that really embraces phased approaches. You don't have to treat different levels of sophistication as a showstopper. You can map out journeys that allow all functions to continue to grow, but they're unified by kind of the North Star, so that, that organizational maturity variation. And then two things that are actually no longer a challenge for us, but I, I know uh, many talent leaders are, are still navigating, includes we used to spend a lot of time trying to understand what the tech stack opportunity was. So again, the advancement in kind of just the general population base rate of understanding what's possible with technology has really improved. So again, as I mentioned, you know, we spend more time solving than trying to figure out what's possible. And then the other piece is, again, the leadership alignment and the leadership support. I think those four can be very common challenges across organizations, and, and that's kind of how we're experiencing them. You mentioned some generational components of you know, changing employee expectations. We've seen so many fascinating and often surprise outcomes to organizations that have been Beamery clients rolling out employee career paths and employee development programs. And one of the earliest ones we saw was in areas impacting diversity. For example, one of the first clients we had four or five years ago rolling out a new career pathing experience found that the act of showing employees transparency about who they could speak to at roles they could go to, even if they didn't apply for new roles, improved the retention for people from underrepresented and diverse backgrounds by two to three times. But those impacts aren't going to be equal everywhere. Sometimes it's population groups, sometimes it's generational. And taking these learnings and then driving them into a broader set of changes is very powerful where, where it's possible. And this question around, you know, how do you get people engaged in this big wave of change is a, is a very important one, especially as we've seen over the last couple of years, employee engagement and the risk of employees understanding how to take part in these programs is critical. If you can arm your employees with the tools to reskill, to upskill, you can have a completely different organization within a very short space of time. But what does that take? How do you tell people this is where our organization is heading? How do you give people a way of connecting, you know, learning to work and to career paths? How do you think about getting employees engaged and excited as you invest in these kinds of initiatives? And, and what's been you know, your view of what it takes to get that right? The employee attraction is, it's just really critical, isn't it? It's why we do what we do. And yet probably everyone can think of a program once upon a time that didn't get that much engagement when they were really the ones intended to benefit. And from where we sit, it's one thing to sort of be the architect of all these solutions and, and the infrastructure, but to move mountains, you do really have to bring the employees and people leaders along. So in our recent experiences, something that has really impressed me in both areas, we talked about the skills, the architecture, the jobs, the careers, and then also the performance space is first of all, employees get it. Guess what? These topics are hot out there and they have heard about them. Gone are the days where people say, oh, what is that HR thing? 
So they're expecting it, they're demanding it, and that means that they're almost like at a different level of being ready for it when you go to them. We're also seeing leaders really step up to champion it. So those are two universals that are really powerful observations. I mentioned phased approaches. So one of the most important decisions that we have made amidst some of our transformations is to not be embarrassed or worried that the final big bang isn't ready. We bring them along on the journey and we say, look, this is phase one and here's where we're going. We are committed to these short-term and long-term opportunities for you. And I have to be honest, you know, at the beginning of some of these journeys, there was, you know, a little bit of nervousness, like, will this resonate with them? You know, even if uh, this is just a baby step forward and more is coming, can they hang on to that message? And we're so glad that we did. It absolutely, we have seen the growing kind of excitement, the engagement, the utilization of opportunities, even when, you know, final end state um, is still forthcoming in some cases. And it sort of continues into being more ready. It's really the cultural shift in mindset that, that we needed. So I think those two themes are really important, that the employees are ready and that starting and bringing them along the journey, even for baby steps, can be really powerful. Couldn't agree more. And certainly, having been working with clients on this kind of skills-based transformation for many years now, it can be incredible to see how quickly those baby steps can take you to a different shape of organization. But as I mentioned, you know, one of the areas where we've seen some of the biggest outcomes is in how this kind of skills-based journey can create inclusion and can create diversity outcomes. I know that this is something that you are passionate about. It's something that has been key to, to your thought process. Tell me a little bit more about how you've thought about diversity and inclusion within your programs. We have a saying in my organization, my teams, we talk about building DE&I in at the ground floor. And this is a yet again, Sultan, one that is, it's possible to even take that approach because of the connective tissue and because of the systemic and technology enablement. I want DE&I in our systems. I want it in our processes. I want it in our operations. It really should be in your DNA as an organization. And we talk about it very tactically. I'll, I'll share some thoughts about the operations behind the scenes, but it's also good for business. It's how we show up to our customers and our communities. And I'll get off my soapbox in a moment, but it really shouldn't be a separate effort. It's, it's really a shared accountability, both with talent leaders, with leadership. We need commitment at all levels. And you hear the passion in my voice because we are really operating this way. And it's just, there's never been a more exciting time. So specifically to skills and, and career spaces, there's a lot to say here, but just even as a couple of simple examples, looking at how you can lasso the power behind things like adjacent roles, adjacent skills, or the cross-pollinization of talent across functions, you know, think about those latticed career ideas, you know, that people are becoming more and more open to understanding like how they can collect experiences rather than solely pursue vertical movement. These are opportunities to broaden our talent pools in a very concrete way to more diverse backgrounds. And then there's a lot that goes with it that I, that I won't get into, but just imagining, you know, setting up your hiring managers for success in what it looks like to onboard someone with a non-traditional profile. You know, we're asking them to believe in the vision and then how do we help them succeed with that vision? So we see a lot of really great opportunities there. Sultan, we've also talked about performance a bit today. And, and in that space, I just, I'd highlight that some of the leadership themes that we're prioritizing, leaders play a huge role in inclusion and DE&I, and it's a great opportunity for organizations to look at, are they 
communicating that expectation concretely? Are they tying it into recognizing and rewarding inclusive behaviors with their leaders? It's a wonderful performance management opportunity. One thing I'd add, especially for uh, our listeners who may be less close to the narrative that is key here when it comes to adjacent roles and adjacent skills, is the role of technology today in helping us identify these opportunities and, and create more inclusion through them. One of the things that has become clear over decades of looking at candidate and applicant employee experiences is that there are certain things that can put people off or make people lose confidence. You know, people can lose confidence in applying for a role if it's framed in a way that implies that you require certain years of experience and so forth. And there's obviously been this broader industry shift towards being skill-centric rather than credential-centric to drive inclusion from that perspective. But there's also been a new opportunity with AI to identify this at scale, to say, we can see that both in your organization and other industries, people are going from this kind of role into this kind of role, which means it can be adjacent. And people are going from this kind of background to this kind of background, which means these skills can be similar or adjacent. And it's helping create more windows in which we can identify you know, where are there opportunities that we might not have seen? Can we recommend a role to someone that we couldn't have necessarily foreseen would be similar? And these types of assistances in AI are one of the sort of foundational things that's opening up new windows for where can we create improvements in both our employee experience, but also in our ability to plan, you know, are there adjacencies, i.e. cases in our organization where employees could be considered for new roles that we might not have noticed. So I think it's, as you say, you know, super exciting time from a number of fronts. I know that you've been thinking a lot about the role of AI and HR and its you know, potential to empower teams. You've touched on a number of technology initiatives that you're driving. Tell us a little bit more of what your thoughts are on the emerging role of AI and how we can get value out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Among the use cases I'm especially interested in are, you know, in the career space, whether that's something like recommending career mobility, you know, based on those skills and, and skill gaps that perhaps are elusive to subject matter experts in the company or, or are not yet manifesting in external market trends. I think that's a huge opportunity for uncovering possible movement. In the development space, listen, we've been talking about personalization for a very long time. Personalization can be done without AI, but seeing what some of the possibilities can be for further enhancing it or maybe redefining personalization for learning journeys and helping people go after their career interests in a really effective way. I think it's fascinating. In the performance space, multiple examples. I'm not going to take a stance today on whether or not you should use ChatGPT to write your performance review. That's not the use case I'm going after. But think about the power of strengthening ongoing feedback to assist employees with performance, You know, whether it's coaching, whether it's manager feedback, et cetera. I mean, we're talking about changing the day-to-day, -day, and there's all kinds of interests. It doesn't have to just be boosting productivity. There's real engagement there uh, and, and employee satisfaction to tackle. You know, from a worldview standpoint, look, personalization and omni-channel benefits are always powerful opportunity areas, and so generative AI is, is a, worth it to understand what's possible. But as an IO psychologist, we can't let down our guard at the same time with you know, challenging the accuracy, the explainability of the insights. It's constant scrutiny around training data and testing is gonna always remain critical. And now we've gotta find new ways to raise the bar and understand what that needs to look like to manage things like ethics and biased outputs and you know, even legal considerations. And we all know what those are. But I would invite us all to continue to dream about what's possible. And I think that that is necessary for moving the industry forward. 
And, and in this journey that you're describing, Ash, of becoming a skills-based and diversity-centric and inclusive organization, how are you thinking about this from the talent acquisition and attraction side, and what are you most excited about there? The DEI, I think, has the opportunity to really explode, and the skills I see as kind of a currency to both win the war on talent, as well as uncover hidden talent pools within our organization, as well as expand our diversity of talent pools for our external recruiting. So if you picture a job architecture that ties to evergreen, sort of always accurate or always contemporary skills required for you know the job, uh, and then you have that latticed infrastructure behind the scenes, you imagine it flowing to talent acquisition processes flowing to, you know, Beamery for being able to identify optimized talent opportunities. You start to imagine these talent pools that become more diverse, that become connected through adjacencies. And so not only does that start to create this more sophisticated kind of ecosystem for external hiring, but these things can follow through the employee as folks are hired into you know, their career interests and you start to marry a profile that ultimately the employee experiences, wow, and my career continues, things I never thought possible or exactly what I thought possible. And now I've started to build in the development that then makes the, the internal mobility possible. So I would say that how all of these things feed some of our next directions of focus are going to be that internal mobility, but it all starts with, you know, the, the talent networks, the connectivity of the data, the sourcing, and really just building our own expertise about what the talent looks like and keeping it readily up to date and not having to do that heavy, heavy lift. And, and we're spending time on decisions and insights instead of tedious processes and hours spent chasing talent that might not have been the right fit. I mean, it really is a whole new world. I love the, the mindset of this uh, connected talent lifecycle you're describing and the thoughtfulness of uh, that connected journey from external to an internal high potential person. If you had uh, one thing that you had to call out or over the next 12 months that you really hope to see change in either Verizon and what you're able to achieve or more broadly in you know a, a change in how the industry perceives, what are you hopeful for? We have a really exciting next six to 12 months planned. Uh, our journey accelerates every year and we're especially focused on priorities around talent marketplaces, job matching, how we can help employees not just link development in a meaningful way to careers, but also opening the doors to what they might be able to accomplish, which often involves new information to the employee themselves. And we really want to begin to support more and more the role of the leader in all of these activities. We believe that employee careers and development should be self-driven, but we also think there's an opportunity to elevate what our managers are able to support as well. Some great leaders know how to do all these different things we've talked about today, but they may not have time to. And some leaders don't yet know that it's an opportunity for them to impact and, and also drive their own talent needs. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity here. Uh, even you know AI, no AI, definitely data and, and connected tissue will be a prerequisite for it. And I'd end it with just uh, an incredible appreciation for the tech stack and the folks who are developing leaps and bounds to make things smoother for employees. That is how the traction all solidifies at the end of the day.
Well, I appreciate that, Ash, and uh, excited to see how, how you progress. I completely agree that the role of the manager is going to be key in all of this. Managers haven't traditionally used HR software and are, are key to this transition. And the role of HR teams having this transformational mandate is really key. Ash, it's been such a pleasure to connect on all these themes with you, and uh, we've covered a lot of ground. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for all your insights. It's my pleasure, Sultan. Thank you. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery, the talent lifecycle management platform that helps organizations attract, retain, redeploy, and develop the skills they need. Learn more at Beamery.com.